Welcome to the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, discussing all things audiobooks with the authors that write the stories and the narrators that perform them. Brought to you by Viviana, Enchantress of Books. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 13 of the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast. Today, I'm chatting with author Tana Stones. How are you doing today, Tana? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you, and welcome to the podcast. I was so excited that you're going to be talking with me today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So why don't we start by having you tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been writing and how you got started. Sure. Um, so I write sci-fi romance under the pen name Thomas Stone. And I've been writing for probably like most authors say, as long as I can remember. <laughs> I started publishing actually under a different pen name in a different genre um, in mystery. And I was traditionally published in 2005. Um, for a few years and then slowed down a little bit when I had little tiny people to <laughs> take care of. And it got a little tricky juggling writing books with um, traditional publishing schedules and children. And then I got back into like, publishing my own books in 2007. And so um, got back into that and then started the Thomas Stone pen name in 2017. And then it had just been going hard with the sci-fi romance since then. Yeah, so I did not know that you were originally a writer of another genre and completely thing. Is that something that you're thinking of maybe going back to writing in the mystery under that name? Or you're just like, nah, I like my sci-fi aliens. Well, I kind of <laughs> toggle between. So the other pen name is still alive and I still have books that come out, although a little bit more slowly. Um, but I, I do like to do a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. So I love, I love a good murder, love killing someone. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that that's a lot of fun. Um, but then I do love sci-fi, and then I actually have a paranormal romance pen name as well that I started last year. Um, just because I didn't have enough on the plate, you know, just thought I'd throw another one in the mix. So I actually kind of moved between all three, although my main interest and and really I spend most of the time in the sci-fi romance. Mm -hmm. So what made you decide to have the different three names for the different genres? I know usually sometimes with pseudonym, it could be something to do with privacy and things like that, but there's other reasons that can run the gamut. What was your reasons for having three different, I mean, like, like you said, enough on your platter that you're like, yeah, let's right. just do another one. <laughs> exactly. Throw up on the mix. Uh, for the mystery and sci-fi romance, the reason I divided those so clearly is because there's a definite difference in heat level and with the mystery there is no heat and they're actually clean so there's no cursing and it's very different in the sci-fi romance <laughs> sci-fi romance is is steamy and so there's not any crossover really mm -hmm. between the two the fans of the mysteries are not necessarily reading the fans of my steamy alien romance so i wanted there to be that hard division and the paranormal Actually, that was only because it is a bit different in, so it deals with its um, fallen angel demon, which is really fun. And I just kind of had to be in my bonnet about writing this fallen angel mafia trilogy. And I just really wanted to write it, but I didn't think it completely fit under the Tana Stone brand, mm -hmm. which is, you know, the alien romance. So I, I did a different pen name. Um, but after it launched, I did tell my sci-fi romance readers because there is some crossover there 
because a lot of my sci-fi romance readers actually like paranormal romance and they're into hot demons. So <laughs> that actually, <laughs> that was kind of a crossover. So it's not a secret that um, I have a second pen name, which is Eve Archer. And so I write the paranormal romance under Eve Archer and then um, the alien under Tom Stone. Wow. You're fun at assigning. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's hard to keep track. Like, who am I, who am I signing? What is that? Well, you, know, yeah. you have to have a bunch of different autographs. Mm-hmm. They can't all look the same, right? That, but also like, I know that for someone that when we know the different names, um, I always stick with however, the name that I was introduced with. So, I, I, you know, with being, as long as I have been in this industry with listening from listening to working in it, I know some of the real names slash all the pseudonyms slash all the stuff. And when it comes down, like, who are you today? <laughs> because when, when it comes right. down to the event specifically, because I'm like, I don't, I would do not want to be that girl that completely like reveals that name out of, you know, accidents. So that's why I stick with that name. It gets a little tricky. Mm -hmm. Um, And especially, you know, my newsletters are all with one service and I have to kind of be careful not to send out the wrong, (laughs) from the wrong name, (laughs) which I've come very close to doing before. Um, Because it is, it is a little, it's like, because they're also different voices. Everything about them is, at least with the mystery and the, romance everything about it is different but it's fun as well because you kind of get to be a little bit of a different person yes that's one of the things I'm like I should have done a pseudonym when I started this thing um (laughs) because it kind of sounds like you guys get to be a little bit whatever you're currently not in real life for whatever the reason whether it's a little bit sassier sarcastic sexier you know more out there however you want to define it um, definitely the pen names can be fun from what I, from you guys, right. it always shows. And, <laughs> and it's like embracing that part of yourself. Like, I never feel like it's something that's not genuine because it is a part of you, but you just kind of get to magnify that part a little bit more with, with whatever pen name. Yeah. So it's one of those things that I always kind of find fascinating. And at the end of the day, regardless of the reason, I'm also the first one that says, it doesn't matter what the reasons are. If that's what they want to use, that is how we have to respect um, right. so a lot of times people, people get curious, like, what is it? What is it about it? It's about that. Well, I mean, there's various reasons and yours are all very, some of the ones that we've talked about before, but at the end of the day, it's whatever the reason, I mean, it just could be just cause it's one of those mom things because I said so. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Sure. <laughs> That's what it is. Um, right. but it's specifically, um, when it comes down to a ton of stone and aliens, what made you go from writing absolutely anything in in any genre to specifically aliens? Well, I actually stumbled onto alien romance. I was kind of hopping around the Amazon store and I found Ruby Dixon, who is the queen of alien romance. And I just kind of stumbled onto her. I was like, what is this? This is fascinating. It's not a genre you're going to see in Barnes and Noble. Well, now you will. But at that point, <laughs> it was nothing I'd ever seen on the shelves before. And I started reading it. And I was like, this is fascinating. Because I was, I'd always been a fan of Star Trek and Star Wars and Battlestar Galactica. And so I had that bit of a sci-fi nerd in me. And I just loved it. But it was so different than anything I'd seen published before. And I thought, like, I would have really a lot of fun writing this. Like, it would be a great escape. And I was doing the clean mysteries where, again, I wasn't cursing. I wasn't, there's no sex scene. I'd never written a sex scene. 
And I thought, oh, this will be fun. Like, I've never done this. I really like the challenge of doing things that I've never done before. So I just devoured as much alien romance as I could. And then I started writing my own. And really, it was more just kind of for fun. Like, I never thought it would necessarily take off. But I just had such a fun time with it. And getting to create the different worlds and, and pull all of that in was just really a different type of writing. And again, I had to learn to write a sex scene. Now, of course, I've written so many that I'm like, oh, wish I, <laughs> wish I maybe didn't have to write so many sex scenes. But at the time, it was kind of just something totally different. Um, and I think with writers, like you want to always be doing something a little bit different or pushing yourself, which just, you know, and growing as a as an artist and getting to explore different things, which I think is why I did the, the Demon Trilogy. I'd never written a trilogy before. And I thought, oh, it'd be fun to write like a trilogy where it's a long arc for one cup. And that was like just about stretching myself because my alien romances are within the same world the series will be, but each one is a, each book is a complete romance. And so I did something a little different with the paranormal, but then I came back and writing the complete romance within the book, I was like, oh, I'm glad to get back to this. So switching styles and types of books and writing is something I really enjoy. So under the alien side of things, you also have the Alien Warrior Academy, then you have something different, which is the Raider war- Warlords of the Vander, and then Barbarians of the Sam Planet, and then Tribute Brides of Drex. I'm going to kill that pronunciation. So <laughs> how do you pronounce yeah, that? The Drexia. The Drexia Warriors. Warriors. Yes. Yeah. How, do you, how did all this come about as far as the different groupings and series and stuff like that? I mean, you said that the alien ones are all in the same world, but different couples. How are the other ones that you've written? Sure. Meaning how do all the different series connect? Or... If they, yeah, if they do. Because um, I know that's always sometimes where there's sometimes series can be completely standalones, but there may have been. You guys are good with like Easter eggs, the authors. And as a reader and right. listener, sometimes we're, we're, we're devouring and we do not pick up on that Easter egg until you reveal it. Right, right. Well, the first two series I did actually were unconnected. So I did the Tribute Brides of the Dressing Warriors, and that has 10 books in it. And then I did the same Planet Barbarians. And they actually were totally different, different time periods, just because I really liked the idea of something very different. The Drexians were a little bit more high-tech space station, holographic technology, very like Star Trek in that way. And then the Barbarians, it's more of a futuristic sand world with a bit of a grittier Star Wars feeling to it. Mm -hmm. You had to kind of put it in different universes. So I I really like the difference. But after that, I was like, it would be smart to connect them. (laughs) So so then the next series I did, which I call my um, Vikings in Space with Tales, is the Vandar. And they have a connection to the same planet. So the bounty hunters in the same planet do end up like making appearances. And so starting with, I think, book, maybe book three, there, I start to kind of weave in that series and then I continue the, so then from then on, I've always kind of woven little bits about each series into the next one. Mm-hmm. So there is a connection. And then I did a spinoff series of the Drexian, which is the first 10 book series. And that's the Inferno force of the Drexian. So it's a kind of one of the, the offshoot, like tough guys that they're military. And so I had that shoot, that kind of breaking off. And then, then, series that I'm doing starting at the end of the month I'm working on now is connected to that offshoot as well. So it's a group of aliens that you meet in the Inferno Force series, and then they kind of go off to their own. 
So I'm trying to be better about having those connective tissues between the books because at first I did not. And then I'd look at other authors and I was like, oh, that was brilliant. <laughs> look, at, look at how they just connected from one to the other like that. Um, so I definitely have, like I think everyone going through things, learned as I've gone along how to better kind of connect things. Yeah, I think it's sometimes something that wasn't originally done. So, uh, you know, a lot, I mean, usually it was just a one book years ago and then it became something like, oh, there's three books in the series. It's now becoming a bit more popular to have more than eight <laughs> in any given series. And that interconnectedness is also something that's relatively new. But that's, I think, mostly because the, the listeners and the readers love that world and we just want more of it. And that's true. And I feel that way as a reader, when I get mm-hmm. really enmeshed in some world, whatever genre it's in, I don't, I don't mind if it just keeps going. <laughs> and so <laughs> I, I find that like, I actually will have some readers just like, we just want more of that. And so I'm actually going to go back to my Vandar series, which was six um, and add on to that just because I, in the middle of the night, kind of got this idea for a seventh book and what would happen. And I thought, Oh, I'm not done with them. Apparently I'm not done with them. (laughs) So I feel like it's possible to continually build into the stories Mm -hmm. um, unless it's given some side of kind of hard ending, but there are always more kind of facets and more characters and more side characters that can have their own stories within the world. And I do have this, it's a, maybe a good habit, maybe a bad habit. So, you know, at the end of the book, the epilogues are always a teaser for the next book. Mm -hmm. And even when I intend to end a series, I have a hard time not teasing the next book <laughs> because, <laughs> because my mind just automatically goes to, oh, well, what's next? Mm-hmm. And then I go, oh, well, now I have to write it. Okay. <laughs> you have to write it. I was waiting for it. Yeah. You get that. Dun, 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 and then you're going, fuck, I got to write it. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Many authors say that when it comes to their characters, they're, they talk to the author. Um, do you find that that happens with you as well? Or is your um, way of style of writing different? And how is it? Definitely. So once I kind of figure out the characters, and that's part of my process where I usually sit down and do kind of in-depth character development. So I think about who they are, where they came from, the whole thing. And I go into what their wound is, where they're coming from, and their background and kind of do the whole thing. Once I get that developed and get a really good sense of them, then they kind of start talking to me. And, and as I go in the series, usually, so sometimes the first book, I'm really still getting to know the world and developing and building it. And by the second or third book, then it's really crystallized and it, they're just very, very chatty. And then <laughs> things happen that I really didn't plan and characters come up and all of a sudden they're going to get a barren book. And I, I really didn't plan. I didn't know that <laughs> it's, it's new to me. So it, there really is a sense of like these characters just kind of start, I don't say doing things on their own because I know it's my subconscious or my psyche doing it, but they definitely propel things forward in a way that you don't always expect. Mm-hmm. Do they uh, tend to fight, especially when you have multiple series, do the characters from the different series say, um, hello, it's my turn. When right. You have, yeah. I definitely get a sense like I can only write a couple. I'll just write a couple of books in the series, and then, then I'll kind of go to another series. So mm-hmm. I will kind of shift between things because if I leave something alone alone for too long, it kind of starts nagging. Like, don't forget about us. We're back here. So. <laughs> don't make me come down there. Um, <laughs> exactly. 
you had mentioned um, liking uh, Star Wars and Star Trek, which are usually two separate camps of fandom. Um, <laughs> do you feel like your books are inspired by one specific more than the other, or is it just depends on you know what it is about? Right. I mean, definitely. Like I, I feel like depending on the series, sometimes I'm in the mood to some, to write something that's a bit grittier and. Because I always think of Star Wars as it's got that kind of grittiness to it, the colonies, the outposts, the, you know, it deals with some different issues. And whereas you've got Star Trek, which is this kind of almost, you know, it's this futuristic world where there's no longer any inequality and you don't really use money, and which is great, but they're very different mm-hmm. views, I think. And one obviously is like long, long ago and one is in the future. So so I kind of do a little bit of both. Um, the first series I did, the Drexians, was definitely more of the futuristic, like more idealistic. Um, and then, but I did want to do a little bit of the more, the barbarian alien, where it's, they're not as developed and they're not as, they don't have this crazy technology. And so, um, and have that be a first contact situation, interacting with humans, like that, that interaction is interesting. And it's Mm -hmm. different than the high-tech aliens who are actually the more sophisticated women than humans. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when it comes down to those two fandoms, as far as Star Wars and Star Trek, in the Star Trek, do you fall more along the lines of the original 1970 Star Trek, or you have a little bit of everyone, of all the different, which ones are your favorite? I'm definitely a next generation person. (laughs) I think I'm a Gen Xer. And so like, you know, just Patrick Stewart, Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm a big fan of that. So yeah, I mean, the original series, I've watched some of it, but not all of it. And I didn't really watch it, obviously, when it was coming out originally. But um, but yeah, Next Generation, I did really watch. I think I've watched every episode of Next Generation. Mm-hmm. And then I watched some of the like Voyager and a little Space Nine, but, but not all of them really pulled me in like Next Generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that next generation definitely has a solid, solid fandom where yes. everybody then starts almost, I don't want to say the word dwindling more so, they maybe start more getting into specific more silos a little bit, but it starts off with that big, big one with the generate, you know, next generation one. Exactly. And I really do, I do like Star Trek Discovery, which is the newer one and Picard just because Patrick Stewart's Patrick Stewart. Um, but I do like discovering what they've done with that. I think that's been very clever. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's been enjoyable to watch. Nice. Good. I have not gotten into that one yet. I have to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cause again, I'm also a next generation girl and I loved Voyager when it first came out. Um, yeah. but then after that deep space nice, I think it's back then again, TV used to, we would have to wait an entire week to get to the next episode. You know, we didn't get I a know, chance right? to end. <laughs> It was it's, a commitment. It was it, really a commitment. Yes. Yes. And you ended up learning like what days and not what times and stuff like that. And then when you can rewatch it now, you're like, was it on Hulu or was it on Netflix? No, it was on Amazon. Prime. Damn it. You know, know. my kids like, don't understand the concept of being at a specific time and place to watch a show. Uh-huh. And if you missed it, you missed it. They, they're mm-hmm. that whole, <laughs> they, don't, they don't understand it at all. Like they're no. just, they think it's cute that I say these things, but there's no concept of that type of, no, we had to be there on Thursdays and you had to run to the bathroom really quick and you had to run back. <laughs> there wasn't pausing. There wasn't. No, yeah. you just had the commercial time and you had to, that. that's when you had to go do things, whether it was like you said, bathroom run or snack run. 
you know, it was like exactly. during that. Exactly. Now it's like you can just pause it, binge watch it over a weekend. You're like, you will never know. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You'll never know our suffering. Yeah. But we're also the ones that will complain when we're watching something that's streamable and we have to wait until the next week to get the episode. So, I mean. <laughs> True. Well, now that we've gotten spoiled. Yeah. You know, there's no going yeah. back. I was like, what do you mean I have to wait until the next discovery of which is next weekend? Come on. <laughs> it's only seven episodes. Well, my thing now is every show is like eight episodes. I know. So I go from these like shows to shows where I'm like, eight episodes and now I have a year until <laughs> I get another eight. Are you kidding me? Like the days of the 22 episodes for a season, I feel like they're just gone. Yeah. I had that conversation with uh, some of the, uh, the younger folks um, <laughs> where yeah. they would not get that a season for us was almost a full year of episodes. And then they would only right. stop for the summer, which, you know, that's when the reruns would happen and you would get the episodes Monday through Friday and things like that. Because, but then again, during the summers, you were also at the beach or at the pool and doing community service or whatever, um, which yeah. is why they also had that break. And now they had, they started with like the mid season break and then the holiday break. And I'm going, dude, I'm only getting eight episodes. What the fuck? <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> I know. Exactly. It's crazy. I watched yeah. the show. Preacher, Preacher? Have you seen that? <laughs> yes, Preacher. Yes, I saw that. That was good. Yes. yes. And he was a big hit with my, so I have a pretty active Thomas Stone readers group on Facebook. Uh-huh. And at any point in time, it's when I enter that group, it's like walk, walking into a Chippendale show. It's great. <laughs> it is. It is. But my, I call them it's, um, my tributes. And my tributes, they like, it is just wild and crazy. And everyone has a great time. And we post lots of pictures of, Jason Momoa and all of our favorite guys. And most of the times they aren't wearing much. And but the actor who played Reacher was quite the favorite in my group for, for the first couple of weeks. Um, everyone was watching that show. Yeah. No, that was the, that was a really good show for those that are not have have no idea what we're talking about. It's an Amazon Prime ep, um you know, he's a war hero and then some stuff happens in a small town and and family situations and all this other fun stuff. I'm not going to conclude spoilers, but there is a lot of action. The acting is really good in the storyline. It's also based on a book, which I think a lot of things nowadays are starting to be based on books. Exactly. And they did, they cast it really well. They did. It's a series of books by Lee Child, Mr. Raider. And he's kind of the, they, they did a great, casting for this series the original name was played by tom cruise mm-hmm. who you know for all his talents was not actually what the reacher characters described to be so people were kind of like what are we talking why reacher is like this huge big and pulsed, like impressive guy and like really like kind of like very just like few words and a lot of action mm-hmm. and so they really nailed it with the series the actor they got for him is just was on target and yeah. very, very pretty to look at. Yes. I mean, uh, I think it became a meme. Like, yeah, I'm watching it for the plot. Well, actually, my husband and I watched it get together and he, he loved it. But I was like, I'm impressed that they can get his shirt off in every episode. Like, this is, you know, because it, the second season of Witcher, he like kept his clothes on the entire time. And I was like, what are they doing? <laughs> where's the bathtub scene with Henry Cavill yeah right what's going on Why is close to him? whereas with Reacher I was like well done well done every episode it's like whipping a shirt off 
Well, now I'm so wondering was, if they're using that as a way to catch, you know, get catch the female audience, and then come season two, like they did with Witcher, they're like, no, now you're getting more story and plot, okay? Um. Yeah. yeah, and that may be it. They've already drawn us in with the whole mm. bathtub scene, and now we're there, and, and you know, we still watch it, but still, mm-hmm. I feel like season three, if they could just throw us a little bathtub scene bone, that would be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know, putting it out there into the world, exactly uh, <laughs> into the universe, we're yeah. it out. Yeah. yeah, or or now watch, we'll get a reacher part a season two with a bathtub. I mean, maybe the signals got yeah. mixed, but we won't. We got the shower scene, so That's the bathtub true. would be the next step. Yes, that would be yeah. But speaking of good-looking individuals, um, your book covers are definitely something that stand out. Not only, oh, <laughs> not only for. <laughs> the um because that's the thing too like because of my background in marketing and branding I'm always like oh yeah hot guy is my first obvious because hello girl here I'm a woman um I'm not blind I mean I wear glasses but I'm not blind (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but you also have a really nice marketing branding thing going on with each of the series um was that completely mapped out for you that you did that um are you working with a graphic designer or are you making the covers tell us more about the goodies Oh, yes. I do not make the covers. No, no, no. That's not my talent at all. Um, I actually, I work with a graphic designer and she has been great from the beginning. She kind of nailed how, what I think the important thing is like how my name looks mm-hmm. and kind of the, there's always a bit of a glowy, sparkly look to it, um, the colors she uses. And then each series has a bit of its own personality. So mm-hmm. Each one looks a little bit different, but you still should be able to kind of look at it and go, aside from the fact that my name's on the cover, like the name is the same and it's in the same place every time. And you should be able to look at it and kind of go up on a stone cover yep. because of the way she does it. And so I think she does that really well. And we've definitely worked together in when I kind of describe like, okay, here, here are the new people, here's the mood, here's the, and she's really, we don't, we go back and forth maybe a few times, but she, she's really been great about nailing it. Mm-hmm. as to what I'm trying to kind of convey. Yeah. I mean, definitely when I see it, I'm going, that's a, that's a ton of, that's a ton of cover. Right. And, right. And that's, yeah. that's what I want. Like I want them to each have their own feel. So you, so you kind of can tell the series apart mm-hmm. and the cut, like the definitely the same planet barbarians have that gold and that's a really specific color scheme. And then the direct scene covers have the purples and blues. And then the, I have the kind of the, turquoise with the vandar so they're each is each has its own color palette mm-hmm. but then they should they all kind of can be a little they all have cohesive elements mm-hmm. and sometimes those aren't necessarily noticeable because it's just something that each one will have but it's one of those subliminal things hopefully yeah. <laughs> that it puts it into your head oh it's time to cover whether yeah. or not you know exactly why well like the raider series it almost it's for me it's like oh i wonder what armor she's going to add to this one <laughs> because, oh, right. yeah 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 exactly <laughs> because it's yeah, either that like, was definitely a, yeah that was the case of like here's how i want I, and i definitely came to and i was like i want these guys facing forward and i want them to have like some sort of arm because they are like they were battle kilts and it's like vikings in space and i wanted that to be like a a different look than the other ones that were the models had been slightly tilted and Mm-hmm. Had a little bit of a different poses. Like I had a definite, like these guys, I want them to look straight on. So, and the newest series, which is coming out starting end of this month, it's actually, it's their faces are showing, whereas most of mine don't have faces. So this is like, 
it's actually focused more close up like on their faces mm-hmm. there and it goes it's like a chest thing but um and it's really like it's a more of like a little bit of a link to some of the dark romance that's out there now mm-hmm. in the sense that it's like the the model and the cover is like looking directly at the camera so it's direct engagement so it's a little something different but again that kind of is it a little difference between this series and the other series? But each one has something that's different about it, but then mm-hmm. something that also ties it together. Yeah. And, and again, it goes back to that whole side of, of branding and how you are going to stand out in the crowd of hundreds of hundreds of hundreds of thousands of other book covers that are out there when people are going right. and scrolling through thumbnail size versions of images, because we get the full size yeah image size you know we get the full bleed the whole large larger than life sizing as far as you know the covers and the backgrounds and the guys and what we're adding to it but then when we go look at it and we're to what to buy we're looking at thumbnail size so things like the colors and maybe the different positions of the guys totally help in trying to figure out is this a tana stone or this like a donna grant one or this not and all this other fun stuff Right, right, exactly. Mm-hmm. No, it definitely helps. I'm looking now. I'm curious as to what that new cover is going to look like, because I'm looking. <laughs> <laughs> well, because it seems like in your, at least in the audiobook covers that I'm looking at right now, as an example, and that's because also too, I know that the size, the shape is different. Usually for the eBooks and the paperback, they're rectangular, and for the audiobooks, they're square. But and it's something too that I'm like, yeah, this is kind of interesting. It almost goes off of like you started completely cutting the head off and then you started showing some more chin and nose and now a little bit more above the nose. And I'm like, she's like revealing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the new one is full face because also the new aliens have horns. So I wanted the horns <gasps> that curl nice. around their ears to show. Nice. So, um, and their eyes are like super, super, super like piercing blue. So, it, wow. so yeah, so, and she did a, a great, a great job of that. Yeah. So when is that cover going to be revealed? Can you share the date at least? Well, the no. cover is out. So it's actually oh, okay. on Amazon. Um, oh. So it's called Submit. Oh. Um, and I do like the one word titles for the yes. sci-fi romance. Um, only because I feel like sometimes you can just get super evocative with one word. Um, and then it's just, it's very bold. Like it's very easy to read. Like there's no confusing and squinting and being like, what are those words? It's very much like one word. There it is. Yeah. Um, which again ties in with all the branding. Mm-hmm. There you are, gorgeous. Oh, I do wonder if I'm going to run out of words at some point. Run out of really like evocative, sexy words. Yeah. Well, I mean, Wordle's out there right now, and this five-letter words are still running. So, um, I'm I doubt it. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Right exactly. Yeah. And also the the perk of having something like um, an alien in the subgenre of romance. So anything like that that's like sci-fi and paranormal, you can invent your own words so and i do that all the time Mm -hmm. and then i realize because of course the narrators are asking me for pronunciations and sometimes i don't know because i've never actually said them out loud (laughs) there are times when i'm like i'm doing a voice of the pronunciations where i'm actually saying it out loud for the first time i'm like well Mm. how do i say this (laughs) Um, but i realize sometimes how many words i make up in a book Mm -hmm. when i will get a list of like we need you to tell us how to pronounce these 25 things I'm like oh boy <laughs> oh boy I really really made up a lot didn't I mm-hmm. yeah that's definitely something that um again a perk of having it be a completely made up language is that we don't know how the word is pronunciated yeah. and so when the narrator says that we're going to go with what they said 
versus if there's a mistake or there's a specific kind of pronunciation based on the you know the the graphic of where it is like boston versus you know south carolina and all that other fun stuff because car is different in every state city and whatever um exactly Exactly. it is funny because sometimes their narratives have pronounced things where i'm like oh i actually like that better we'll go with that one and because it's a made-up word Mm -hmm. (laughs) it doesn't matter yeah they just have to make sure that they keep it for the future book um so exactly. it's consistently mm-hmm. yeah because yeah. that is something too that um as listeners it's a pet peeve of ours we're like well pick one please <laughs> which one is it yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's something is when i'm going through and listening mm-hmm. like, sometimes i will catch like oh like someone switched and pronounced it like two different ways and so that is one thing i'll like go through and fix it you know kind of like in a way like i don't mind necessarily which one it is it's just like has to be just one <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. that's all i ask Yes, no, of course. And it's as it should be. I know sometimes it, um, it's gotten a lot better as the years have progressed. But at the very beginning, sometimes when you had two narrators to do a dual um, point of view um, for the audiobooks, the, the, the narratives did not connect. They were just given the, their parts. And so now there's a lot more cohesiveness with everything. So at least there's that. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. What made you decide to have your books in audio? Well, I think from the beginning, it was just a sense that everything I write, I want to have as many ways to maximize as possible. So audio was kind of the next logical step. It's like once you have it in ebook, once you have it in paperback, going into audio just seemed like a logical step because it's kind of like I was, as an author coming from being traditionally published, I was really just doing all the steps that I did when I was originally published. So I kind of run my business just like I would if I was running a publishing company. So I'm looking at all the different avenues and kind of doing them one by one. So the natural process for me is once I have the book done, is it then goes into audio. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, I'm now at the point where it's catching up so much that I'm kind of having to tell the narrators like, well, I have to get it edited first. <laughs> like I can't actually, I, I need to kind of make sure it's perfect before because they're, they're ready to roll with it like pretty much as soon as I write it. So I kind of have to make sure I get all my tweaks in. Um, and same thing with my translations. I'm, I have my books in uh, German and French and then now working in Italian. But at some point, they're, they're kind of caught up so much that they're re- literally just waiting for me to finish writing a book before they translate it, So, mm-hmm. which is great to be kind of that caught up. But for me, audio is just a natural extension of mm-hmm. writing the book. And it also is a different audience. So people who are reading my book and ebook aren't necessarily the same ones. There's some crossover, but aren't necessarily the people who are re- listening to it. So I feel like if you want to hit, hit the market and really hit as many people as possible, you need to have it in as many versions as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, do you listen to audiobooks in general? I do. I listened to way more before the pandemic. <laughs> like, like everyone's, um, but I, you know, when I was driving around a lot, I yes. listened more, but I do listen to audiobooks. And, um, and I've, it's interesting because I think it helps to be an audiobook listener mm-hmm. when you're producing audiobooks or when you're thinking about who's going to narrate the book or what you're, you know, the different things when you understand how people consume audiobooks and when I understand what I like. And as soon as I kind of started listening to audiobooks that were duet narration or multiple narrators, 
that was when I was like, oh, I'm going to do that for my books. Like, I really like this. So definitely I've taken what I enjoy in audiobooks and tried to implement it as much in, in the books that I get turned into audio. Mm-hmm. Were you involved in the casting of your books of your books or would that take on, on that on the own from the production? Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. I definitely picked all my, um, and I've only recently started working with a production company, but I've always, I picked all my narratives. My first series was actually single narrator. And that was, um, before I actually knew that much about multiple narrative, it was back in, so it was 2017. So, and, and she did actually a great job with the voice doing all the different voices. Um, and so I think she did a really, really good job, but there's just nothing like having the growly guy actually doing the growly alien guy. <laughs> and especially for, for the romance, like, and for my readers and listeners who love those like deep growly voices. Um, and so you've had one of my narrators that my readers love a lot on the podcast, um, Marcio Catalano. Yep. And boy, did my readers love him. <laughs> they, they just like, you know, because he has that, that kind of a growly voice and he can make the aliens like sound really fierce. And yeah, and they just, they just like go weak at the news for that, which is great. That's what, that's what I want. So he really brings that to life. And I think it's almost impossible for a single narrator to be able to do a convincing, really alpha guy like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's very few um, narr- female narrators out there that have that um, capacity from a stretching perspective because that's also hard on the vocal cords. I mean, at the end of, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we can only sound so deep reg- it's just based on our range and we can only do so many tricks to make it sound deeper than it is. And so that's where dual narration and even duet you now is like, yay, because yeah. The guys don't have to worry about sounding like a girl. And, and in some yeah. cases they make them sound like Valley girls. And I'm like, dude, we do not sound like that. Not all of us. Thank you. <laughs> right. Right. You know, right. and it does. And that way you can focus on the talents of each narrator. Yeah. Because I do like the female, like they're doing multiple voices usually. Mm-hmm. So I like to kind of save their range from making those female voices and the multiple ones they have to do like individual mm-hmm. and interesting. And the same thing for the male narrators. Like, it's not like they're doing just the ground. Like, there are other characters that they need to do. And so I'd rather them not have to stretch to, you know, all of those different voices. Um, and, and, it, and it does give the listener, I feel like, a, a bit of a break to get a different sound. Because it is a different sound. You know, male voices and female voices, it's just in different, different listening. And so I feel like it is more... Like it's easier to listen to when it's being done like a, like a play. Like when you always hear the male voices narrated by a man and the female voices narrated by it. like it, it's it's like listening to a performance instead of a book necessarily being read. Is what yeah. I kind of view it as. Well, I think dual narration um, has been one of the fairly new that people are starting now. Like, oh yeah, we love like it's almost like the the now new norm is the dual you know narration. Yes. With duets and now kind of being that new guy on this you know new, new one on the street kind of a thing and people are still trying to figure out if you like it or not i love it yeah. um because you can get that different um cadence and stuff like that and kind of get a little bit more focused on the different characters and how they sound yeah. and like you said it's almost like a play so i wish i love but i know sometimes some people are like it's right. just too many voices <laughs> it's just too uh-huh. many 
Right. Right. Yeah. yeah I, I love the, I love the duet. And I started doing that with my same planet barbarian series mm-hmm. and the narrators. It's actually a husband wife team that were doing it. Um, and it, and it was just, I just, I was like, Oh, I love this. And I forget how I feel like I find people sometimes by listening to other audiobooks and especially mm-hmm. in my genre. And I go and I listen and they go, Oh, this is, this is what I like. And so then I kind of start to track down the narrators mm-hmm. or, you know, pester them or find someone who knows them or, <laughs> or, or do that kind of thing. Just yeah. Because, because I'm like, yes, now I need them. I must have these toys. Yes. So who did you have a wish list of narrators that you want to work with for upcoming titles? Well, I do have, so, and it, it's a very interesting because I definitely go back to kind of um, like Marcio is like a fan favorite. So he's going to be narrating my new series, which is coming out at the end of the month. Um, because the readers just really thought like they just love him. So, and, <laughs> and it also fits, and I, and I do think it fits his voice very well. Like the, the super growly dominant alien thing. It fits really well. Um, I am working for my paranormal with um, Jason Clark, and he was one that I had on a wish list for a while. And so he is narrating the trilogy of my dark fallen angels. Um, and I thought when I heard his voice, it's like, oh, yes, 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 I need him. <laughs> but then it took a while, like I had to find like an author friend who'd worked with him and kind of connected directly through that. Um, and he's, you know, and of course. In a way, all these narratives become kind of celebrities because they're so well-known and they're so in demand. But of course, they're just lovely people as well um, and normal people. But sometimes, you know, it's so exciting. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And then I realized that in the greater world, it doesn't read, listen to audiobooks. When I say some of these names, people are like, I I don't know. (laughs) They're very big. Trust me. They're very big. This is a coup. This is a coup. You don't know it now, but I'm very excited. (laughs) Yeah. What about the ladies? Yes, the lady, you know, I've actually, I haven't gone for any, I mean, I haven't had any big, big names yet, but the women who've done the narration for me have been, have been great. I've worked with um, Sierra Grace and Addison Barnes, um, and then Aubrey Vincent is doing my latest ones, um, and she's been really good. The actress who actually did my first audiobooks um, is Jodi Bentley, and she did a wonderful job with the different voices. Um, and she actually is an actress and then does voice for like audiobook narration, um, as opposed to some of the audiobook narrators are narrators full time. And she actually is an actress in Hollywood full time and, and does like narration as an additional thing. Um, and so it was interesting to see how she came at things differently than people who do full narration for audiobooks as their only, like as their full time. So it is interesting to see different perspectives and how people approach things. Yeah, it's always fascinating to me when what the the narrator's process is, especially also when you start learning more about them and you realize that, like, for example, Jason Clark is, you know, background is, is theater. So he's going to approach someone somewhat differently than someone that has no theater experience, but has been doing audiobooks for the longest time. Right, right. Yeah. It really is mm-hmm. interesting. And people come to it from such different places mm-hmm. it's always very interesting and how they approach the characters and what they want to know from an author mm-hmm. so some people want to know a lot and some people just kind of are like no I'm going to run with it but I've I've kind of learned to try to give more information like here's what I here's the kind of the what I feel about the character the mood the different things because I feel like 
I'd rather tell people more upfront than get a sample back and be like, ooh, that's not it at all. (laughs) You really don't want to cause more work for anyone. You want to kind of get, give them as much to go on. um, So that way they're no, that you don't spend a lot of time in editing. Well, yeah, I think also too, it kind of helps that, you know, how they're going to make it sound like that's one of the things I always ask the narrators is like, how do you go about selecting how the characters are going to sound? And it also Mm -hmm. helps when the author then tells them, okay, well, this character, when they get nervous, they talk really fast and things like that, or that they have a lisp or that they have an accent and and stuff like that. Obviously it helps when the narrator does the research themselves to a little bit. Otherwise it's like a running joke at this point. We're like, so page 700. Oh, they're Russian. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, right. Exactly. You you don't want that. Mm -hmm. Um, And actually when I, for the barbarians, so the, the premise is it's a all female bounty hunter crew that crashes on this planet. And there's six of them. And there are two that are aliens. And then they're, so each, but each character, like the pilot is very chattery, like a fast talker. Mm -hmm. And then one of them is kind of, kind of a little bit, a little bit like sexy, always kind of like looking for the next guy. And then I have the two aliens, one's very like aggressive and tough. And then the other one is the shapeshifter. And so for the shapeshifter, I was like, I want her to have a distinct voice, but I'm not really sure. And so the narrator came back with this lovely, almost Eastern European sexy lilt. But I was like, ooh, now that is great. <laughs> because it really did differentiate her from the other mm-hmm. people characters. And, and, you know, and because she is, she's a different species. Yeah. So that was really fun. It was fun seeing her interpretation. of it. So I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Those are always fun too. When you're like, how did you, and they're like, no, this is how I was feeling. I'm like, okay. Usually my, right. you know, like, oh, I'm going to use a black pen or the blue pen, uh, you know, yeah, but yeah. It's, it's their, their artistic process is just phenomenal. I love it. And it's just, I could listen to them forever when they're talking about how they go about selecting the voices and things like that. And also from you guys, how these characters come about, because you guys are very creative and you're going, why, why two penises or why aliens or, you know, but, but, why? Well, the, yeah, the alien, the alien pain is very, very hot topic. Like that's part of the thing. It's like, you get to make it however you want. So mm-hmm. I've spent way too much time thinking of, various ways and enhancements and like, what would be ideal? <laughs> like if, if I could improve, what would be, you know, which is most people don't get to do that in their jobs. So I, I consider myself lucky. Yes. Well, it, but, but each one is, is different. Each and each species like has some different parts or they have tails or they like my new guys have tails and horns mm-hmm. and they have mating fever and they've got it all going. Yeah. Well, I think that's one of the fun things when it comes down to when people say, oh, like, why do you like listening to paranormal? It's so not real. And I'm like, I, I, I like the differences. And I like the idea of that someone's being creative and, you know, there's other different aspects and other reasons behind it. But I think it's fun that you guys get to have at it, you know, almost like a buffet, like, OK, they're going to have horns and they're going to have a tail and you get one and you get one almost like an Oprah moment there. <laughs> right, right. And it's, you know, it's escapism. And I think mm-hmm. sometimes we could all use escape. And I think during the pandemic, people wanted to be anywhere but this planet in this time. Mm-hmm. And so taking them to the future or, you know, people reading historicals and the past, like, I think it's, there's a lot of power in being able to just escape the world so completely 
mm-hmm. that you really get a bit of a break. Um, someone was asking me like, oh, do you ever, would you put the pandemic into a book or would you, and I was like, oh no, 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 no. <laughs> like, <laughs> no I, I, I looked through it, it was enough. Like, I don't want to like then write it <laughs> again. Yeah. Like it was, it was enough. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I can imagine, especially when it comes down to aliens and futuristic stuff, it's when they're, they, they're going through like a, a history database. And that's mm-hmm. those moments where you can have a little bit of fun of saying, yeah, I mean, stupid, this, this species, all they had to do was just stay inside for three days, <laughs> three weeks, and then now they're all, right. they're gone, you know, right, on to the next, right. you know, where are we, inv- where are we landing? <laughs> right. Well, that's interesting with, you know, sci-fi, it's like, if you're doing futuristic, you have mm-hmm. to kind of think, okay. Where is Earth? Where do I think Earth is in 400 years? What's happened? Like, how mm-hmm. do I, you know, because realistically you go, I mean, are we on the planet? Are we off? Have we escaped? Have we destroyed it? You know, mm-hmm. you never know. So it is, we get to kind of try to predict the future in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Always fun. I think it's a, it allows you guys to get very creative and us as on the other end of reading and listening to it, we get to just escape and pretend. And that's always fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And um, speaking of, you know, fun things, when you're not working, what do you do for fun? Oh, for fun. <laughs> well, I do like to travel. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was a big bummer during the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> could not go anywhere. And I love to travel for writers' conferences too. So I was actually at a writers' conference in London when the pandemic <laughs> kind of broke out. Mm. So um, I was there. March 12th, I was coming back 2020 and got stuck in Toronto and um, finally made it back. But when I came back, it was, I was literally the only car in the parking on the airport. Oh, wow. I went to my car, <laughs> which is unusual. Like normally it's packed. It was, there was nothing left. So I do, I do enjoy traveling. And, um, and finally we, we actually just made a trip. A writer friend of mine got married in Hawaii. So we just actually went to her wedding over the holidays and that was amazing. Um, so in anything on the water, really, I love, um, I also love like reading for fun. Um, that mm-hmm. it's not actually work. And, and I do <laughs> a lot of reading, but I consider it like it's part of as a, as a writer, I think you have to read. I do listen to audiobooks. I listen to, I like listening to podcasts. I do like trying to perfect the perfect brownie. It's one of my goals in life. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> Exactly. You have to have, you have to have dreams, right? Yeah. No, yeah. No, no. So what is your definition of a perfect brownie? Ooh, I'm definitely on the fudgy side. I like a cakey brownie, but I I like them pretty fudgy, but I'm also not, I don't like nuts in my brownies. I'm a bit of a purist. Me too. I don't like nuts either. Yeah. Now my husband loves nuts. So we'll have like a half and a half, like down (laughs) the middle. Yeah, those nuts are a tricky thing. If you overcook it, it, they become bitter and affects the taste of the brownie itself. So it's like, mm, yeah. it's okay. I'd rather just have the chocolate and like you said, the yeah. fudginess. Yeah. So you and have to keep us posted. Sea salt sprinkled mm. on top. Oh. Brings out the chocolate really well. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. You have to, when you find that, when it's like, ooh, like you're saying, since you're looking for that perfect perfection stuff, you mm-hmm. have to share your recipe with us. So we can we can all go we want to make a we want to make a, a tea stone a ton of stone brownie and they're gonna like what exactly. is that and like it's perfection exactly. <laughs> and there's something different about a for scratch brownie and now mm-hmm. box brownies can be great but like when you when you do it melting with chocolate and the butter do all that from scratch like it does it does taste different yeah 
I mean, I, yeah, I, I love semi-homemade stuff, you know, especially when everybody's so busy trying to do things and if it's just, it's there to help, great. And one less thing to get to worry about. But there is a difference when you do something from scratch, especially when it comes down to oh, those yeah. ingredients. It's almost like kind of like writing a book. You know, you get to yeah. add a little bit of this, a little bit of that, add some more of the spice. <laughs> in exactly, your case exactly, <laughs> exactly. Oh, mm-hmm. and then well, you spice, you know spicy books the one thing I always say is like I can never probably never meet my narratives now oh. because I, <laughs> I always feel like oh my gosh I'm making them read all this stuff <laughs> like like it's just like sometimes you go oh good lord did I write that yes I did yes and did. so I was like yep yep can't ever meet these people I'm sure they're lovely and delightful, but yeah, no, it's ruined. It's ruined. You can never meet them. Yeah. Now, well, here's the question. When it comes down to those spicy scenes and you're writing it and you're in a POV, are you thinking about who as a narrator is going to say it if it's coming from the male narrator or the female narrator? I usually don't try to think about that too much. Okay. Um, although I do think about the narrators more now when I write than I used to. So I do think about the audio version, how it will be as an audiobook as I write more than I used to. I used to never kind of really think, and now I, I definitely do. And I think about it as being read in multiple parts. So I definitely view that. And it's more with the steamy scenes. Usually it's usually it's in one point of view and then another. So I usually split it up so I get both. Okay. So, um, so no one escapes. <laughs> no narrative gets out alive. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think nowadays when I listen, uh no, I was going to say that nowadays, it seems that sometimes because the majority of the the, the biggest outside of the audience, like like a slice of pie are the cis females that are listening to the audiobooks. So we're going to be more into listening it from a guy's point of view versus the girl's point of view, because we like to insert ourselves as a female heroine in the book. And I think that sometimes now authors are kind of getting more notice of that and they're trying to give us the listeners that more but at the same time i'm going ah, it, it, i don't want it to be forced either if it's, if it's in the story and it comes from during her point of view go ahead and make it on that end you know right mm-hmm. right definitely so i'm glad that you give both equal opportunities and now you cannot meet both your narrators <laughs> exactly exactly nope yeah. nope they're all off limits at this point oh well you know they're starting to attend more conferences nowadays too so once people get back to the full swing of things of going and attending these, you know, conventions and signings, you may just have to bump into them. So. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm sure they're used to it. You know, yeah. they always, but, and so especially most of my narrators read other steamy books. So it's not mm-hmm. like mine is the only one. So, yeah. and again, they're professionals, so they're not reading this and like getting embarrassing. Although I can tell you the first time I had to edit or listen to one of my books being narrated, I, I just like, blushed like a schoolgirl. I was like hearing someone else read my dirty words out loud. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> it was it was pretty funny. Yeah. No, that is true. I mean they are professional and I think sometimes they don't even bat an eye at it anymore <laughs> in some right. cases. No, I'm sure not. I'm sure. Yeah. But then again, you being an alien, you know, um, you know, the, the genre being an aliens where things get more creative on certain things. They're like they have a what where? Okay, right. <laughs> let's right. go with that. Yeah, right. I mean, even your right. own tagline says it. You know, the <laughs> alien abduction has never been so hot. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you have to really. But I think now the narrators they they know what they're getting into. Yeah. So 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially the ones that have done multiple books with me. They, they know the drill. Yeah, they do. They're like, okay, we're going to have this, this, and that. Got it. That's right. a good thing. Yeah. But then again, also surprising them. I know some of you guys like to do that as well. So I'm not going to take that off the possibility. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite word? Oh, my favorite word. Mm-hmm. I mean, one that I like horribly overuse and have to edit out of my manuscript because I've used it 400 times or <laughs> <laughs> like the, like just, or really when I go, how did I possibly use that so many times or favorite? I mean, favorite word. That's, that's a, that's a tricky one. Yeah. And people sometimes, and then the second part of that question is what's your favorite curse word, just in case sometimes it will, it's oh. the same, but, um, but yeah, no, do you have a favorite word? I don't know. I would, I say, I have this little thing where I say the word interesting. Mm-hmm. It's, that's my word. That's my word when I'm kind, when something um, like someone will say something mm-hmm. and I don't want to be too judgy. Mm-hmm. I'll kind of go interesting. And I realize that's like a, a verbal take where it's like covering up all manners of what I'm actually not saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those verbal takes um, can be a bit more um, telling than others, but yeah. Interesting. <laughs> see, see, exactly. Right. It's such a, it's such a word with many uses. Yes. That, that is true. Specific definition, it has a lot of uses. Yes. And all in the, in, the, in the intonation, like how you say it go interesting versus that's interesting. Um, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You're going to find yourself using it much more now. <laughs> yes. That's going to be my next verbal tick for the next couple of days. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. I was going to like send you a tweet. Like, really? It's been interesting, <laughs> Tana. <laughs> it's a new curse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but speaking of curse words, what is your favorite curse word? I mean, there is just, there's, I feel like it's hard to argue with the diversity and the flexibility of, of fuck, because that is just, it can be used in so many ways. Um, now in my mystery series, I actually have characters that do not curse and they always have to use creative curses. So that has actually been very entertaining to find different <laughs> So like in, in, I did a Christmas you know, book in the series, you know, the son of a nutcracker and jingle bells and you know, all these things that they said instead Pepper, of actually, cinnamon sticks yeah, <laughs> and like cheese and crackers. Like that's, and so I do pick up alternate curses from, from, from people that mm-hmm. I think are really funny. So, so alternate curses kind of amuse me because people go to great lengths, not to say words. Yeah. Um, so when my, kids were young. One time I went to pick up one of them, pick them up from school. And my daughter came out and she said that my son was in, got in trouble during pickup because he said the F word. And I was like, oh, cause he was in kindergarten. I was like, when did he hear this? How did he possibly, I was so, I was like, when did I say it in front of him? Like, you know, of course. Yeah. And then I turned to her. I said, what F word? She goes, fart. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. All right. Because for her, that was like a really dirty word to say at school. Whereas here I was thinking, how is my like kindergartner dropping the F bomb? It, it was, it was, it's all in, it's all in the matter of perspective. Yeah. I mean, I would, I know nowadays, especially with schools and stuff like that, where the word like fudge could have been like, you know, ma'am, yep. you know, we know what he was using it in lieu of. 
Right. Um, but yeah, fart. Mm-mm, that's tame. Fart. That's- I know. Isn't that hilarious? That's hilarious. Uh-huh. Yeah. And now it's like, fuck this, fuck that, fuck everything. Right. <laughs> it is a very diversifying word you know you can be used yeah. as a noun pronoun adjective it's it's a it's a good one mm-hmm. right it's a very good one yeah one thing i like to do with my guests and it's a way to kind of get to know you guys better is to play a game called two truths and a lie okay where you tell us three things about you and we have to figure out which one's a lie. And I do say we, because I really do hope my listeners are listening and playing along because otherwise it's just me, um, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm okay with, but at the same time, it's more fun to have multiples as I'm sure we all know in romance that that's true. Um, so yeah. um, what are your um, two truths and a lie that we need to figure out which one's okay. which? So first one is I grew up on an alpaca farm in North Carolina. Second one, I was a wedding planner for 20 years. Third one is I was once accused of being a spy by a foreign government. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. From alpacas to spies. (laughs) (laughs) It's a wide range. Yeah, I mean, like either one creativity points right there. Um, And... (laughs) and endless possibilities <laughs> right right yeah i mean again we had growing up in an alpaca farm you were a wedding planner in a past life before becoming an author and you were accused of being a spy wow okay hmm see i would think that that would be the lie the last one but then mm-hmm. then again um growing up in an alpaca farm is a lie is that your final answer? <laughs> yes, that's my final yes. answer. That is correct. The alpaca farm is the lie. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, well done. Well done. Thank you. So I have visited an alpaca farm in North Carolina. I do live in North Carolina and we and mm-hmm. we have visited an alpaca farm here, which is why I was like, oh, wouldn't this yeah. be a great place to live? Yeah, sometimes it's those little details that's like, okay, yeah, I know, like, I knew that you had lived in North Carolina, but I'm going, yeah. the fact that it's an alpaca farm, I mean, it could have been a farm to begin with, right? It's an alpa- those are the things, but then you go from wedding planner to spy. This you're going to have to share if you can, then again, you never know. Um, <laughs> how the whole thing of being accused of being a spy comes, I mean, I know you guys, the, his- the search history is very creative on your end, but right. how right. did this come about, please? <laughs> Yeah, no, I was actually traveling and I used to travel. Um, and like, I, I like to travel a lot. And so I used to travel to the Middle East and I have friends that live in various countries. And so one time I was basically accused, um, I was not let in Syria because they were convinced that I was a spy for the Israeli government. And they were, they had my passport as evidence and trips I had made. And um, yeah, they would not let me in. And even the consulate, we went and I tried to appeal and that, no, no, I was banned and turned away from the border trying to cross and trying to just drive through Syria. Um, this was way before the Syrian war. So, um, so yeah, so they officially uh, accused me of being a spy for the Israeli government, which I was like, I- I'm literally just trying to drive. <laughs> I was like, all right, fine, I'll fly over you. Um, and I'd been to Syria before, so it wasn't mm-hmm. like it was... Um, it was a, so yeah, so that is my badge of honor that I was, the Syrians were convinced that I was a, 
spot, which I was kind of like, oh, do I look like a spy? That's so cool. <laughs> like, I love that. that yeah. So yeah. I, you know, aside from it being highly inconvenient and mm-hmm. during a, a trip, it, it was actually a kind of like, huh, I like the fact that you think I could do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure you can also use that as a, as a good thing now as a parent too. They do you not know who I am. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That is definitely a fun story. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, before we go, can you tell us what's current, what you're currently working on and what's coming up next for you? If you can share. Sure. The next release that comes out is a new series and the book one is called submit. And that comes out March 31st. And it is about a race of alien warriors called the Teori who are crossing the galaxy and get sucked into a wormhole. And um, they are huge and they're covered and they use tattoos to kind of trace the story of their journey. So they're covered, they're fully inked and have tails and horns and are very, very muscular. (laughs) So... (laughs) So very, very good looking. Um, so, so yeah, they've been really fun to write and they also are afflicted by mating fever. Mm. So when we first see them, they have crashed onto a planet and, um, and the only, there's only one way to kind of cure this mating fever. So you can imagine where it goes from there. Yeah. I think I can. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, is the audio coming in um, out at the same time or close to it? Do we know? It's going to be coming out about two months after. Um, try to get it pretty close, but so it'll co- actually it'll come out in May. So it releases March 31st. So it'll come out about six weeks after. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of us tend to read the books when we, when we're curious or want, or love the author and stuff like that. And then we're like, Oh, we'll get the bonus as the audio later. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm really trying for that simultaneous release one day. That is like one of my, my goals, but it it's so, you know, you have to have the book ready so much earlier. Yeah. Um, so it is tricky, like lining up the narrators with their availability with when I finish the books. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm getting, I'll probably on my series I'm doing right now with the Inferno Force as that's being released. And so those are coming closer to, to maybe within three weeks will be the audio um, kind of as I get along with that series. So I'm getting there, I'm getting there. Ultimate goal one day, simultaneously. Well, I would say that that's a great goal to have, but at the end of the day too, there's other factors. And so I'm at this point, I'm going, we get the audio when we get the audio because you guys can plan everything down to a T and have everything done, but then something over there in ACX happens. And then we don't get the audio released until a few weeks later or a couple of days well, afterwards or for, or beforehand, you never know. So, I mean, that's it because you can try for a simultaneous release mm-hmm. and I know an author who did and, and ACX just held it <laughs> like, yeah. like a month. So, you know, best played mm-hmm. plans of mice and men. Yep. As it always is. So we have that coming out. Um, anything else that you can share? Well, I do have um, the Jason Clark narrated in duet narration trilogy mm-hmm. from in the Eve Archer pen name, and it's the Dark Fallen Angels, uh, Mark of the Fallen, Curse of the Fallen, and Wrath of the Fallen. And those will be coming out, I believe I'll get them all out by beginning of April, mm-hmm. and they will release together. So the, it's, it's a trilogy with a little bit of a cliffhanger so um, so they do they will release simultaneously as audio that is fine I don't mind cliffhangers when I can get easy access to the next book 
Right, right. You know? and again, you right. I mean, you want the next book there. So it will be yeah. like literally all there. Mm-hmm. And I, I got to hear a sample of the voice he's doing. And I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> literally, that was just like, oh, like I got chills when I heard it. Cause oh. he, right. Because we talked about how he was doing the voice and and I said, well, I think, you know, you're going to, what you can achieve is probably through the timbre of the voice. And so he was like, that's what I usually do. And he sent me a sample and I was like, oh, you nailed it. <laughs> that was very exactly kind of this dark angel who's been alive, you know, for millennia mm-hmm. and is like also a mafia boss. It was just, ooh. He did it really well. So I'm, I'm excited to hear the whole thing. Okay. I have to look after my gems. You're going to have to stop over Jason's official fan group over there at Jason's gems and let them know. Oh yes. Yes. Certainly will. Yeah. Cause they're going to, they're going to die. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It's it. I mean, I'm, I'm excited too. Yeah. Just when I, and it was just literally like a minute and I was like, already, I was like, and I know what happens. And I was like, Oh, tell me more. <laughs> And I literally wrote the book. I know what happens, but I was yeah. like, I just wanted to hear him like the way he was narrating. It was just so yummy. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the, uh, the fallen angels concept in the series and stuff like that. So add anything else to it. I'm going, yeah, bonus. Um, but now yeah. you're adding Jason Clark and I'm going, hello. Uh- <laughs> and then, and so it's interesting with that series writing it, like the spinoff is um, the, Prince of Demons, who's like a secondary character in the books. And all of a sudden I was like, and he's the next book. So yeah. And so he's a real bad boy. So that, that will come in, we can out next year or later in the year, but, um, but yeah, it is, it is. And it's great. And already in my mind is like, who do I want to narrate him? Cause he's like super dangerous and growling. So girl, let's get together off this. I know. (laughs) I'm going to be asking you for names. Yes. (laughs) I got some ideas. Perfect. (laughs) Along with your contact info. So I'm your girl. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, this is always so much fun. Thank you so much for taking Thank the time you. to hang out with me today and chat. It's been a pleasure. Oh, it's been so much fun. If you're not following Tana over at social media and basically wherever she's at, I'm going to be including all her links in the post over at Viviana's Enchanters of Books. So you can not have to go hunting for them. And now you have no excuse. Because, you know, obviously we want to know what's coming next to see the gorgeous covers, whose storyline is next, but also the two. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Who are the narrators? Uh, Exactly. exactly. And if you want to hang out with some wild women in Tana Stone's tributes and Facebook, it is a big old party in there. It is. Yes, definitely. Um, For a good time. (laughs) For a good time. Come over. Come on over. Yeah, I will include all those links again so you guys don't have to worry about that because I know sometimes with Facebook and search engines there are like where who what no that's not what i was looking for so you don't have to worry but we'll include everything for you on there so thank you again for hanging out thank you and until next time happy listening thank you to all of our audiobook loving podcast patreon special thanks to nixley zenner carol liebner line black peterson Brittany robinette Leiter, don darch Michelle Bastard, Nancy Billows. The audiobook loving podcast has special Patreon access levels. Join today to receive benefits including early access to episodes, shoutouts, special exclusive content, and much more. 
Support the podcast by becoming a Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash audiobookloving. We thank you for your support. Thank you for joining us on the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, hosted by Viviana Enchantress of Books. For links and more information discussed in today's episode, previous podcasts, or the Audiobook Lovin' series, please visit our website, vivianaenchantressofbooks.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a positive review wherever you listen to our podcast. Until next time, happy listening.